Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I'm your host. And today on the show, we've got a brand new series kicking off called Family Spotlights. And we knew we needed to kick it off with uh, the focus of one of our uh, most listened to episodes ever, and that was Mr. Dan Coley. And so today we've got Dan and his wife, Terry, on, and um, I, I would just say you're going to love what Dan and Terry have to say. Um, one of the things that we talk about in ETC a lot is being reflective in our parenting, and it's easy to look ahead optimistically. It's easy to uh, sometimes dismiss our past and give ourselves uh, the grace that we need to forget what happened in the past. One of the things that Dan and Terry have done so magnificently and they model for us is what we call reflective parenting. So being able to look back and to to self-analyze, like where where did we uh, do well? Where could we have done better? And then to take what we could have done better and we implement changes into our life um, that help us to do uh, things a little bit differently as we move forward. And so Dan and Terry are, are, are great models for us. We love them to death. Uh, and you're just going to love their interview. Um, they're great, great friends of the program and um, we're just excited for what they have to teach us today. And so here they are, the one and only Dan and Terry Coley. Well, all right, we are here today with Dan and Terry Coley, and uh, we're starting a new series called The Family Spotlight, where we're just going to uh, highlight some families that have been uh, friends of ours, friends of the program for a while now, and we figured there is none better to start with than uh, Dan and Terry. And so, uh, Dan and Terry, we are, we're grateful for y'all coming on with us today, and why don't we start with this? If, if you don't mind, for those who kind of don't know y'all, would you mind just sort of sharing y'all's, uh, y'all's kind of family story, family background, how y'all all got together and, and, and just sort of started the family? Nope. Well, we're high school sweethearts. We met in high school. I was a freshman and he was a sophomore and we dated throughout high school, married in college, started having children about a year earlier than we thought we, we were going to. And that child was at college graduation, moved <laughs> back to Nashville from Maryville, Tennessee. And, um, pretty much immediately began doing foster care. We became youth leaders. He was a teacher and we also were youth leaders at our church. And there was a um, couple of houses of children from the Baptist children's home that were there. And we started bringing them home and um, having them in our home weekly and then on holidays. And then it just kind of continued from there. As As we had more children, we continued doing foster care. And then after our fourth biological birth, we began keeping infants that were between placements and birth mothers. From there, God called us to adopt some of those children that were in our homes, and hence there are five more. So we now have a total of nine children. That's awesome. That is awesome. So Mo and Tana Ottinger are also here from ETC. And, and Mo and Tana, would you guys mind uh, just kind of sharing y'all's connection to the Coley's? And uh, Mo, why don't you start off with that? And you can share our connection to the Coley's and then we'll, we'll start in our conversation. Sure. I mean, we go uh, back to ETC, train the trainer, walked in and sat down beside Dan and Terry and spent the next five days. Um, kind of eight to five with this new curriculum that was being created called Empowered to Connect. And I don't know, we just laughed a lot. We connected and uh, we're going to act like we learned a lot that week, but I know we connected. We, <laughs> we had a lot of fun. I remember it was a room with no windows. Yeah, I do. I do remember that. Um, I think we all were coming there um, deeply passionate about the work. And so there was a heart connection and, um, yeah, it's just kind of, I guess that was, man, that was 2010 when we went through that training and, uh, the first ETC conference had happened maybe early, before that. Cause I had met the Monroe's at, at the conference and weaseled our way into coming out to Texas to go through this training. And, and so, yeah, it's been over a decade that we've, we've known each other. 
I, I would count the Coley's as one of our greatest gifts of that particular experience and the journey forward. So deep friendship, much appreciation and um, a lot of love and a, and a good bit of laughter over the last decade. That's for sure. So, so happy y'all are on with us. Dan, Terry, what, what were y'all, what was the draw into this like method of parenting, like the connected parenting world? Like what, what was y'all's introduction into that? Um, well, I'll jump in here. I, I had, we, well, going back to our relationship with the Chapmans, Stephen Curtis and Mary Beth Chapman, um, I had gone to North Carolina to speak at an event that Mary Beth had invi- been invited to speak and couldn't. And while I was there, there was a guy... <laughs> Uh, some people would know him, maybe a guy named Dwayne Gullion, who gave me a copy of The Connected Child, asked me had I heard of Karen Purvis, asked me had I, was I familiar with this book. It had just been published uh, maybe a year or two prior. Uh, that was, I think maybe, it was 2008 that you did that, maybe. Yeah, and I think it was published in 2007. <laughs> anyway, I... I had not heard of Karen. I had not heard of this book. And um, I came home on the flight home. I thumbed through and read a little and I thought, wow, this, this makes sense. And, um, and and the truth is, even as I say, I, I had gone somewhere to speak. That was not, a wise thing for me to be speaking. <laughs> uh, uh, and anyway, I, I, I did connect with a lot of what I uh, just quickly looking through the book. So when I got home, I, I, I said to Terry, um, here, this is something I think that you'll appreciate. And I, I know we've told this story a lot of times, but she immediately yanked it out of my hand and threw it at me and <laughs> said something kind of ugly. Uh, like I don't want to read a blank book uh, or another blank book. Well, that just shows you that I was not in a good place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You've been gone out speaking with yeah. adults and I was home with children and I had read most of a whole lot of books about yeah. um adoption and nobody got what I was living. I wasn't getting any, any good ideas or understanding from what I had read. And I didn't want another book to read until I sat down and read it from cover to cover. In the next 24 hours. The next, Yeah. And then I knew I had to get, I had to find this woman because I had understanding for all the stuff that I had. Mm -hmm. It was just so hard and I had an answer. Yeah. Not an answer, but I had understanding, and that helped mm. me come up with a change of heart. It developed empathy. You know, you just when you can understand or reason things might have been happening, it helps mm. you. It helps you learn and love mm. better. Yeah, Terry was highly motivated at that time. I mean, we were struggling. Our, our we we didn't even recognize the degree to which we were struggling. We yeah. may not have, but I did. <laughs> I knew we were struggling. That's pretty normal. <laughs> um, and and so when I got home that next day from work, when I came in the house, Terry was on the phone. And it took me a little while to figure out who she was on the phone with. It wasn't one of those where she was pausing for a moment to acknowledge me or talk to me or anything. She just was zeroed in on this phone conversation. She was on the phone with Karen. <laughs> and, I, you know, that, that led to, you know, the last 13 years, 12 years of, of a journey that uh, I, it just changed our world. Um, and I'm so grateful. But anyway. Oh, I think in my mind, all of a sudden, this information was out there, and I was I was sort of mad because I thought nobody yeah. should walk into this journey without this information. Like, 
Yeah. I was ready to buy all the books. I couldn't start handing them out to people, which I did. We did. And then, but I mean, I wanted somehow anybody who was looking at fostering, adopting or raising, you know, children for somebody in your family, but all the different ways you can help with these children. Um, I wanted them to have access to this information so they could do it so much better and much healthier. I realized that um, I had really, you know, before then I had been on this rescue mission. I was rescuing these children. I didn't understand a lot of what I now understand. And what I understand now, and I call it, is a healing mission. It's a healing process of helping these kiddos who have suffered trauma realize their preciousness and that they are worthy of being loved and that not everybody hurts them and that they will have food and that they can. I didn't even know that a child wouldn't feel safe when they just walked into my home and they had food and a bed and things to, you know, things they had never had. I didn't understand it. If we knew they were safe, why wouldn't they know? Right. That's kind of where I was. And I, it was like a, just a light came on and I was just, so, you know, at Show Hope, we started giving the book to every family that applied for grants. They just, you could have, a, you could get the book free because I want, I wanted them to read it. I wanted to figure a way to do a test and get them to read it. But, you know, you can't, <laughs> yes. that's me just with my checklist of things. But you, <laughs> The guy who was our director of communications at the time, he said, so what you're saying is you want to give them something to read, then require that they read it in order to apply for a grant. So... We're they're already struggling, and now we're going to make liars out of them. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't really my thought, but I also realized when we were doing grants, in the beginning, it was just she and I sitting down doing grants. Yeah, and yeah, we were not even giving healthy grants in some situations, and we just were trying to get children into homes. And some of the grants were, you know, these people needed help. Um, they, you know, were adopting one after another after another. Right. And not knowing what they didn't know, they were just, they were just, it was too much um, in some situations. So I just wanted people to get the information. And, you know, I've also learned, then we had, we had them ask for the book because instead of just giving them a book that they're going to put on a shelf, if they asked for it, maybe they would um, be more likely to read it if they asked for something. Yeah. Do you remember when you were first reading through the content and talking with Karen, do you remember any of those first kind of light bulb moments of going, oh, this is for like for us right now, like this is actually something like what was it, Dan, that made you stick with it when you started reading the book? Do you remember what the first little like light bulb was? Uh, what, what I remember is over and over making a connection with what she was saying and behaviors that I had seen. And recognizing, you know, hey, this lady not only understands, you know, what what I've been experiencing, what I've been observing, but I, I know you asked me for specifics, and I, I'm not remembering a lot of specifics so much, but, but yeah. ultimately where it lands is recognizing that behavior was was not defined. Yeah. It, it wasn't aimed at me to to somehow attack me because I'm the bad guy. It it, it was self-protection. It, it was an expression of a need. And and sort of making that transition was was like this paradigm shift. It, it was it was huge. And um, you know it really stirred in me uh, kind of that original um, empathy that I yeah. had felt that had kind of gotten cold over the years yeah. because I was stuck in this cycle of behavior and and my focus on what I thought was just behavior, um, and, and then this this shift to understanding that it that it wasn't behavior. So. Over and over, chapter after chapter, even related to things like uh, some things that do come to mind specifically relate to hydration and nourishment and, you know, rest and um, being on high alert versus, you know, just being able to be calm and and the need for this 
you know, for a child to have this, I remember her using this term external modem. Um, mm. and, and we as caregivers being that external modem, we set the tone. And mm. so it was concepts like that, that just really stirred in me this renewed passion. But ultimately, I don't want to jump way far ahead, but ultimately where I went was, I'm the doggone child. I'm, I'm a kid yeah. who experienced yeah. a lot of uh, early uh, struggles and, and trauma, and, and I'm still reacting. I, I, wow, I yeah. want to do to, to heal myself. And, and these, these triggers or, or these behave, what I called or perceived as behaviors, as defiance, part of it was my own stuff that caused me to see it that way. And so, so mm. reacting and, and, and my reaction is uh, I, I'm justifying it because I, I had this, this uh, belief system at the time that if, if I didn't correct this behavior, then that's going to lead to all kinds of problems for this child. And, and so I, I've justified my reactions and my reactions are causing <laughs> other reactions. So it's this cycle that I know I've talked about before and and, and so all of what I read was sort of diffusing that, sort of yeah. letting the plug out of that, taking the pressure off and, and coming to understand from a different perspective uh, what the needs of, in, in our case, each one, you know, was a little different. Um, and... Um, and, and and again, like I said, recognizing my own <laughs> needs that I, I, I'm not sure how I, I look back and I say, well, the Lord really brought me on this journey here. I was believing I'm, you know, Terry referenced the sort of a rescue mentality. Yeah. Um, here I was naive with this rescue mentality. And, and, and the truth is I'm on this journey, um, of, of for healing for myself <laughs> and yeah. and um, and what the lord really used was um karen and i came to her thinking i was meeting you know a, a need not so related to me but ultimately it did have to do with my own healing and yeah. so anyway that was that was kind of the for me that that's what the connected child uh, uh, really, uh, the journey that was for me, personally. I think too. At one point, I remember reading just that how children will um, even get harder. Those, those situations can get harder as they are tr trying to push, push, push you away and go ahead and make the next transition quicker because nobody else is stuck with them. So it almost gets like, you know, they're pushing you away. and You've got to recognize that to bring them in. I mean, subconsciously, they're doing that because they know it, they know in their little hearts that it's coming. And that was hard to hear, to understand that, you know, that they really would get, they thought this is too good. I don't, I don't, you know, they didn't believe they could, they were good enough to be here. So therefore they just tried to get it away quicker so they, they didn't get hurt. Um, went to a different placement, but that was hard. Terry, uh, Dan kind of mentioned some like paradigm shifts. Do you feel like as you were getting exposed to trust-based relational intervention that there was any other paradigm shifts for you? Yeah, one of the things for me, I think was that was, I don't know if you call this a paradigm shift or not, but I remember just learning about the brain and yeah. realizing that my kiddos' brains had been wired on the trauma they had lived through. And each one, each one was different. You know, different biological kids have brains that have, you know, had trauma. But these, seeing, understanding those brains from early on that were wired differently and how it wasn't that they wouldn't respond to something, they couldn't respond to it. They, yeah. they could not do it. So I was asking or expecting something that, that they couldn't do. 
And that realization was um, a shift for me in just, just constantly thinking through everything and what, what could really be going on here and then trying to bring healthy situations in to heal that brain. And all the while me staying healthy enough too, because I would get triggered from those things and I'd be tired. And, you know, Karen used to say, honey, you know, 30% of the time I can, honey, 30% of the time, if you do it right, you're going to be successful. And I sure do, sure did bank on that because I did so many things wrong. Another thing I remember learning though, was when I did do it wrong, when I did lose it and do something really crazy, to give myself a minute and then immediately go back to that child and just say and bring, you know, repair that work. Um, what's that thing you always say? Repair, rupture, do that one. What's the? To air and repair to, is better than not to have aired no, that's at not all it. or something. <laughs> no, that's not <laughs> it. You know, y'all what he's, um, Recovery of recovery function. Recovery of function. Like you've got to learn it. Yeah, recover. do that. Recovery of function <laughs> Re- recapitulates development of function is that right that's, that's right man. you didn't come need on. him you didn't need come them on. come on terry just bring it couldn't think of it but yeah you know just that recovery that yeah. doing and learning and working through with them immediately brings healing and yeah. it helps them show that you do mess up and that you know you're going to be there for them when they mess up mm-hmm. and at some point trust happens at some point they start trusting you and that's a whole new thing for them because they've never trusted anything before many of them and they need to trust so that they can move forward and get better and heal I mean I would Terry I would say that is a paradigm shift I mean I mean it was a paradigm shift for me as well beginning to look at a child holistically um you know I, I always just used to think i needed to be concerned about the heart but begin to realize that there's a whole child there and there is a lot going on in the brain um and dan i just i mean terry you alluded to just this healing journey and i i think Dan, we've talked about it. We talked about it on your episode, just our own healing journey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's just a gift. I mean, I think just hearing y'all's story, thinking about our story, just the the gift it is to be invited in um, for our own, um, always just to be inquisitive about our kids, to be students of what's going on, to understand fully what's going on in ourselves. Um, yeah, I just, I think just hearing y'all, it, it just, it's the gift of, of where we've all kind of been invited into in this trust-based relational intervention empowered to connect way of parenting. And so, um, yeah, I think just where do y'all right now just kind of, man, your your um kind of your journey, y'all shared just where you where you've been, where you're learning. Obviously nine kiddos. Um, y'all didn't say that y'all now got grandkids, all of those things. I mean, uh yeah, just tell me with this with the with this next generation of of Coley's coming along just um yeah how do you see this next go round as grandparents i think um i think we look at things different we look at our children different our, our grown children as they parent and we sometimes see ourselves and how do you walk alongside your child who's now grown and say i think there's a better way because they're parenting like they were parented sometimes. Mm. But our kids, from the work we've done and from how our family has grown, they have picked up a whole lot, and they really parent much better than we did, much more healthy, much more holistic, uh, much more attuned to their children um, and their feelings. And, 
And it's fun to watch. You know, it's a blessing to see that with your grandchildren. We, we, we love our grandchildren. We're more in tune with them. I, you know, instead of um, color coding their Legos or, uh, you know, separating all their, their toys, I am maybe trying to play more with them, watching them lead me and play where it used to be. I would set up the play. And I mean, I really did. I, I had a tray of these little drawer things and I spent days color coding the Legos in the different drawers. So the wheels were in the drawer, the yellows, the fold, you know, the different pieces. And oh, wow. I mean, it, and, you know, it made me happy. I, I went and I'd look at it because that was the only thing in my life. I, I know, I know time of that. I know you get this Tana because <laughs> you know, I'll clean out my closet. Like Dan will go and give me a day to myself. Mm-hmm. I go clean out my closet <laughs> in order yeah. because it's my closet yeah. and nobody goes in there. It's my closet. And, during the day, this is so sick. I go open the closet door and turn the light on and stand there and look at it. It's the only thing in my life that is in order. Mm. And we're not going to mention that different things don't fit, but they might one day. So they're still hanging there. <laughs> but I've got to have something that I can feel like it's just my personality. I need that. Yeah. I mean, I alphabetize my spices. I've shared that before. It's really nice when I just go and <laughs> it's it's kind of sick, but it does help. Um, I think the big change uh, that that I have experienced is something you referred to, Terry, uh, and I think maybe you even said something about it more. But child led um, mm. is is entering into you know, uh, our children's home and, and being with our grandchildren and just just giving them my attention and focusing on them and hearing them, um, you know, uh, and, 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 and playing, trying to be playful and just having fun. Just, just being there and enjoying them, um, and and doing whatever they want to do. And I mean, I'm getting old and my joints are getting stiff, but um, you know, I I just try to do what they want to do. If it's playing ball, if it's playing cards, if it whatever it is, and playing their way instead of this is a teachable moment. <laughs> You know, I've got, I've got to teach you something. Just be present, be connected, and um, and I see our children doing the same. You know, I mean, maybe not all the time. It's, it's nothing's perfect, right? But um, but that's the big difference for me. I, I see the influence of uh, this empowered to connect, uh, changing or having changed our family forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, our, our children and grandchildren and how they think, and there's a difference yeah. and, yeah. and it's huge and it, they're much more relational. Um, and, uh, so I, I say that with a lot of gratitude. Um, and I think we walk into those those situations, into the homes of the children or them into our home. There's already a trust level built. There's trust there. So they share. Some of the children that we were talking about earlier, until they develop trust multiple times and they feel like they can trust you, they will not start unpacking their pain and their story with you until they feel safe. And I think that's important because, you know, you want to know the facts, but they're not going to just spill it out. You want to know how you can help them. And you, you help them by being there, by being present and by listening. And then they'll start sharing things or, or they might even ask you a question that would lead you to ask them the question that they want you to ask, but you've got to learn to, you know, to recognize that with them. Um, and that takes time and it happens over and over. And, you know, an attachment is not a one-time thing with any mm. of our kids. It's yeah. it, at different stages. 
there's different types of attachment. I, people tell me all the time when I get phone calls, sometimes they'll say, oh, yes, we are, we are attached. We attached it to an F. They'll give me an incident. And that's a great incident. But when they start school and things are said, you don't know, you know what's being said or maybe yeah. they need another they need another time to attach on a different level. And then teenagers, you know, teenagers just, they're hard because you just don't have, um, there's so many hurtful things that go on there that can mm. be said. And, and uh, teenagers, you know, you don't just jump in your arms and snuggle up and cuddle with them and, and make everything okay. You've got to be up there at night scratching their back, maybe as they go to sleep or rubbing their hair or, um, you've got to be able to be, to be there. Yeah. And I think that's where even sometimes as I'm older and as we've gotten more children, that's become harder. Um, as I've gotten old and tired, tired <laughs> at the end of the day and, you know, but to still to go up and do that, to go up to that room and yeah. talk to them for a few minutes to touch to be around, be present in case there's something they want to share. Um, that's important. Yeah. I, I think one thing that I was, I've, I've been struck with and like the little bit of time that we've spent together um, is that y'all, y'all seem to really love each other. And I say same to just because, you know, I, I'm, I was around for a weekend, but um, it, you know, this is hard. It was, a good, it was a good, it was a good couple of days. You were there. <laughs> <laughs> so in case I would know, uh, I, parenting's hard. It's really hard to do. And it's, it's hard to do also within relationship. And so uh, for, for parents who might be listening to this and they're just weary and they think work on my relationship, like I'm just trying to survive the day. Any, any advice for, for them on, on the, on the emptiness side of things where you guys are able to be a little more reflective and it's a little bit quieter in your house than it used to be like any advice for, for parents as they're kind of navigating through this relationship thing while also parenting kind of funny when you say empty nest. I've never had an empty nest and still don't. And I don't believe really that I ever will. Um, and that's okay. Most of the time that's okay. But you know. You have an emptier nest. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's probably the better phrase to use. Um, yeah. Um, I think, you know, what we do now is we're traveling to see those people that we that have moved out. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, to get that time to be with them. Um, we're, you know, we are trying to work on healthier doing, you know, doing things together and healthier, healthy selves because we did not, um, self-care for me was none. There was, there was no self-care mm. at, at that point. So trying to figure that out, um, I felt like when I was doing self-care, I wasn't taking care of somebody else. Um, so that was really yeah. hard for me, um. I think we're trying to make those changes. I think what Terry's saying is we're we're both still recovering from a uh, performance based mm. uh, identity. Yeah, and 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 we'll be recovering from that all our lives. Yeah. Um, and and there are better days. Uh, some days and days that aren't so good uh, in that recovery. Um, you know, nothing is, I don't know that I've ever said anything original. So my answer to your question is something that I, again, I heard Karen Purvis say. Uh, she was asked if there was one thing you could pass along to parents. Basically the question you asked me. Yeah. And, and this is what comes to my mind. She said, I would want the parent to know how precious they are. Hmm. On the days that I believe in me, and um, then there's a lot more of me. And... Um, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly how to say it. It, it. This is, I mean, believing that God 
made me uh, special, that he loves me as I am. He really believing that. If I could, if I could stir that up somehow in me, and if I could pass that along to others, that that's what I would give. Them. Mm. Um, I think out of that, then um, so much flows. Um, I, I wish I could say it in a way that. Uh, uh, somehow would would just really connect uh, with people, um, but but my my own journey is to believe that myself. And, yeah. Um, uh, I think then we reflect the preciousness of our children to themselves. Um, and it, it, it really, I think, is founded, it has its roots in, in our faith in the Lord. For, for me, that's where it is. And really trusting that he has it all under control, even when we don't understand. And I'm a real fix-it person. I like to fix it and kind of head off the problem before it happens. And sometimes I've, I've really been learning in the last year, especially, I think, that the problem has to happen sometimes. And God's using that yeah. to bring healing. And I just don't, I don't like walking through hard. Mm. But I've lived long enough that I can look back and see where that hard did have a purpose. And yeah. it was sometimes, you know, it, was, it was really good. And God was using that and... I'm I'm really right now in these last few weeks, even just trying to let go and let God and not ask, you know, not ask for understanding, but to trust. And when I look at my kids, you know, I, all nine, they're not all, you know, in the perfect place where I'd like them to be ever, but um, they're his. Yeah. And I, he, he made them, he knew their story and he is, aware and will be there for them and for me. But I have to choose to trust. A couple of things that y'all said feel like they deeply resonate. I don't, I'm not sure, Mo, what you were thinking as you were listening to them share, but there've been so many times for he and I where we're, there, there's something about walking this road together. So sort of to heart back to what you were talking about, JD, on doing this kind of parenting or sort of this way of living or being in partnership or with a spouse or, yeah. you know, that like creating a, a home. Um, I find that the, the ways I want to create healing for my kids, like I, I need them to. Yeah. And so does Mo. Like, he and I are in as much need of nurture and structure offered to ourselves and to one another as, as our kids are. Well, so, you know, like, there is there is this sense of as much as we want our kids to, in our home, feel like what's happening here is non like, it's, it is, we're in this for the long haul which means we're in the messy together. And that's just like part of being a human being. It's mm. part of being family. Like I'm really okay with them seeing Mo and I like actually live that out together too. So taking off some of just, man, I, Dan, what you said about the performance, like that y'all are still recovering from performance, man, that like took my breath away. Cause I think you just gave me, a sentence that I feel like really does sort of mark some of what Mo and I have have processed and maybe are even currently processing. So what does it mean for he and I to not expect perfection of each other either? Like to give one another the space to just keep being a human <laughs> and a parent. Like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to be a human parent? 
Oh, it means to mess up. And what does it mean to be a human partner? Oh, it means to mess up. And a human spouse, it means to mess up. And it means to say like, I've got growing growing to do and, and so do you. And oh, we're in it for the long haul together. Like what, it's like the freedom and breath and room and hope that that offers our kids to grow and to heal. It offers each other too. So what does it mean to sort of say, Partnership. I think it's it's interesting, and I I do not think by any stretch of the imagination that Mo and I haven't figured out. I think we're still going to be thinking about it twenty years from now, and thinking back to this time, and sort of figuring out the ways that we were attempting as much as we can to just give each other space to to grow, mm. which means to mess up. I, I don't know if that resonates with y'all, but yeah. that's I think that's the best thing I can say about where Mo and I are like in this very moment. Mo, what about you? Yeah, I just, there's such freedom there. Um, It's exhausting to really have so much uh, expectations on everybody around you, including yourself. Yeah. And like, yeah, I mean, if there's been a gift of this last 14 month pandemic, like there's just, there's just been this real sweet recalibrating of, of all of that, right. Things that we thought were important have not been so important. Things that are, or like it's just recalibrated. It's been this, this moment of crazy, like in the same time, it's been one of the hardest 14 months. Um, For us, we've got, you know, nine people under one roof right now and multiple animals and all those things and, (laughs) and school and on and on, you just do all of it. And there are days you're like, this is really hard. Um, But I I think we've said to our kids a lot this year, Hey, we're just human. We're just human. This is what we're just, we're feeling this. We're experiencing this um, all together. And so, yeah, I, I I mean, you know, I I think it's all been said. It's about at the end of the day, being in relationship with one another, with, with Tana, with my kids and kind of meeting each other in the hard and the good and the tears and the laughter is really sweet. And, Yeah, I just, um, one of our kiddos just started sharing the other night in the kitchen, and I thought, man, like, this is such a gift that they're kind of spilling their hearts right here. And this is one of our young ones, you know, and like, that they, um, that we have a home that we can share the, share it all. And, and it's such a gift. And so, but yeah, we mess up, we mess up a ton. Goodness gracious. Um, there's a lot that we, we goof up on, but, um, yeah, but what you're describing Mo is, is a moment that is like the ultimate when you know that there is trust when it's, it's one of those, uh, 30% moments (laughs) when, you realize that um, the the work, the submission, uh, the the kind of recovery, all of it has come together, and the people in your influence in your space, uh, the people influencing you, uh, feel uh, enough uh, trust to just express themselves openly and freely. And, and that, that is being empowered to connect. Yeah. It's so sweet. And um, that's a great phrase, empowered to connect. What's the <laughs> yeah, use that. Uh, you go. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we need to use this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Guys, Something you said, Dan, just made me think a, a second again about how if we think of this idea of healing as a destination, then I don't think that we're going to have peace or connection or hope along the way. Healing is, is a process. And if, I mean, Terry, you sort of hinted at it and man, I just resonated so deeply with that of even like that initial thinking of we're going to give our kids a place to heal or we're going to heal them or we're going to fix them or whatever. I mean, for us, I do think I can speak for Mo here and he he can, you know, verbally nod if he wants to, but it's more, to me, it's been, oh my goodness, look at the invitation my kids are presenting for them to, to fix me, to heal me. And so I love that word submission, even that you just said, Dan, I immediately think about like this mutual submission to healing, like this idea as a family that we're going to sort of all submit ourselves to this journey and say, this isn't about Mo and Tana sort of, you know, bringing in these kids that sort of need all this help. You know, maybe that's where we were. Maybe we did that. Maybe that was some of our motivation or mindset. I'm sure it was, you know, we've had to sort of untangle so very much of all of that. Um, Still are, but where I hope to be and where I think that we are moving along the journey is of this like mutual submission of our kids have so much to give us. And it's not that we're here to like suck it from them, but my goodness, I mean, who would we be if not for this mutual submission of, of growth and journey and healing together? And um, I'm not pretending it's easy, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. I know y'all would testify to that too. Amen. For sure. Uh, Guys, one, one last question for me and maybe a, maybe a lighter, a lighter hearted um, topic. Um, Y'all are both worked with show hope for uh, a long time and, and been connected with the the Chapmans and um, maybe one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my entire life, Dan, was when you shared your first story of meeting Stephen and y'all going on a little trip together. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind telling that story <laughs> on our way out today uh, and sharing your your uh, epiphany you had with him in the car. <laughs> well, um, yeah, our, our daughter was... Uh, had had gotten connected, our oldest daughter had gotten connected with them, and so our family's connected through this, but um, we we had a mutual friend with the Chapmans who connected us uh, in, in thinking that our daughter could uh, babysit for them. Okay. Back when they had three children, so that puts it back, you know, 25 years. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we uh, I just kind of started getting to know them a little bit. Terry and Mary Beth had connected and um, had a had had a pretty strong initial connection. And then one day, um, Mary Beth called Terry and said, "Hey, Steve is getting ready to drive over to uh, it was a camp that both of our daughters were attending. They were in middle school. It was a church camp." And uh, he's going to go over there and sing. And um, do you think maybe Dan could ride with him? It's a couple-hour drive. He's going to be driving back late at night. He'd been on the road. He was tired. So uh, to get to the point, I Terry uh, <laughs> called me at work and said, I said, yeah, just tell him to come by the office and pick me up. I'll go over there with him. And so... We drive over to this uh, rural setting over in East Tennessee. It's beautiful. It's out in this pasture. There's horses. There's a barn where it's the stage. I mean, it was impressive. And it's just this summer camp, you know. And um, and so Steve's up there on this <laughs> stage in this barn thing. 
and we've got maybe a hundred middle schoolers there. And he, he sings this song. It's a, uh, it, I, I called it uh, saddle up your horses because that's a line in the song. I never had heard that. And I thought he's making that up. And I'm looking around and, you know, there's these horses and all these kids and they're just, dancing and carrying on and I mean he was good I, I'd never heard him sing and I thought this guy is good well he said on the way up there he said hey I, one thing I need you to do tonight is help help me you know to finally get in the car and leave when, it, when we need to go he said it's just hard for me to to kind of say goodbye and to you know just say to people, Hey, I got to run, you know, because everybody kind of wants to talk to him and everything. Well, I didn't really get that. You know? <laughs> I thought, well, sure. You're just thinking, you know, he's an extrovert, right? He just can't quit talking. Right. <laughs> so I said, yeah, that's no problem. Well, when, after we, after we're there for a while, I realized you know, all these people are wanting to talk to me and everything. I'm, I was having a good time. We're, we're in this uh, this building where there's several rooms, and they're kind of going off in all these rooms and looking at furniture and stuff and, and talking and looking at pictures on the walls and things. And I've never had people pay so much attention. <laughs> it didn't occur to me that it's only because I'm hanging out with Stephen Curtis Chapman. Well... So finally, he has to come get me. He said, man, we got to go. If you get home, it's like 10 o'clock. We're not going to be home before midnight. And I said, oh, yeah, okay. And so, so we're, we're driving home in the car, and, and I said, hey, that song you sang tonight, did you make that up? <laughs> He just laughed. He oh, said, no. We call that songwriting. <laughs> you know, I really had no idea that you, he was. You thought he, he just saw the horses and just thought, this, I got it. I, I really got did. I got one. I thought he just made that up. <laughs> and I to look at that. It was so fitting. It, it really was a sweet moment when he was singing that song. But, yeah, I was pretty naive. He's, he just laughed. He said, yeah. <laughs> We call that songwriting. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Guys, I love it. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for giving some time this morning and just sharing your story and being uh being so great with us. And um we just appreciate y'all a ton and um and yeah, thank you so so much. Well, thank y'all. We pleasure to be with you. Always. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to y'all soon. Love you guys. I still love the story of Dan uh, asking Stephen Curtis uh, Chapman if he made that song up on the spot. Um, I love that so much. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Uh, as we said, we're going to be spotlighting families for the next several weeks and um, excited to share um, some sweet relationships that we've got with you and uh, highlight a few families who are really just just in it, like all of us, uh, working to uh, love the kids, to parent in a connected way, and build trust. And so we're, we're excited to share them uh, with you. So for Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio, for Tad Jewett, the creator of all of our music, and for the whole team at ETC, I'm J.D. Wilson, and we will see you next week on the Empowered to Connect podcast.